is up and welcome to Bridge Youth. We are so stoked you are here. Service starts at seven, that's in five minutes. Um, please be sure to use the bathroom before service starts. That would be a good time. And if you're here, you're family to us and we are so happy to be spending this night with you.
service is in just two minutes, so make sure to grab your seat, turn off your airdrop, and if you're watching online with us this evening, comment something so that we know you're watching. Tonight will be awesome. We are so stoked that you're here. So let's stand up, stand up. Everybody, get your feet, get your feet. Let's meet someone new. And ask them this question. If a celebrity were to play you in a movie about your life, who would it be? Let us know, let us know. I said Kevin Hart would play him. No way! <laughs> Michael B. Michael Jordan's B. Jordan. Corey? Okay, okay. Hey, on the count of three, shout out who do you think would play you? Three, two, one. That sounded awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to move on. 
move into announcements. Liv, you want to hit us with that first one? Yes, if you don't already follow us on social media, make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at BridgeYTH underscore. And then you can stay up to date on all the latest. All right, here at the Bridge, we like to say giving is another way to worship God. There's absolutely no pressure whatsoever, but if you do feel like you want to give, you can do that online or at the back of the youth auditorium right by those doors. Yeah, and for all our ladies in the room, say hey. Hey, if you haven't registered for our She Unites event, make sure to register. It's going to be a great day. We have Christine Kane coming out to speak, and it's going to be January 28th, so don't miss it. All right, and just in case you guys didn't know, the fun doesn't stop here it doesn't, on bro. Wednesdays. We also have Bridge Youth on Sundays as well. So we will be joining, or we will be having connect groups this Sunday, so you guys can join us for that at 11.30 after worship. And just a little reminder this month, for anyone who attends a connect group, you will be entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. How much? So How $100. Much? Dude, that's a lot of money. That is a lot. And so at the month, one guy and one girl will win. So this is the last Sunday to enter into the raffle. So be there. You guys do not want to miss it. And you'll have the chance to win $100. Exactly. So Who wouldn't want to win $100? And then we have Bible Club starting this week. So if you guys want to know what clubs are on your campuses, DM Bridge Youth, and you can get to know all the campuses. Oh, we're in SOM, and we lead some of them. So come party. Come it's a great time. It's a great time. And you guys know what time it is. Hype Worship is back. Let's go! So everybody stand up, head to the front, and let's have a good time. Let's get hype!
feel like, you know, when we're in a setting like this, I think we could go up to each and every one of you and you are representing some sort of struggle or some sort of burden or some sort of thing that's happening inside of your life. And I think so many times what can happen in services like these is that we can come in with our baggage, with our burdens, with our brokenness, and we can set it at the feet of Jesus. We can set it at the altar. But then as soon as the service is over, we go right back to it and we pick it up and we walk out with it. And sometimes even what can happen is that we can allow those burdens to dictate whether or not we listen, whether or not we worship, whether or not we receive from God. And I feel like that there's so many times where we can be in a setting like this and we allow our burdens to dictate what it is that God does inside of our lives. And we allow our feelings to dictate and decide what it is that God says to us, if we receive or not, if we hear from him or not. And a lot of times what can happen is that we can allow those burdens to be excuses as to why we don't worship God. But I think what we have to do right now is that we have to make the decision that my burden is not gonna be the excuse. My burden is gonna be the reason that I worship God. My burden, my brokenness, my hurt, my pain, the things that I'm bringing in, they're not gonna be excuses for why I don't worship God. They're not gonna be excuses as to why I don't hear from God because it would be a tragedy for God to orchestrate everything that he has in your life for you to be here tonight, for, you, for him to have a word for you specifically tonight and you not hear it because you allow a temporary burden to get in the way of what an eternal God wants to do inside of your life. Can I tell you that when you make your burden the reason that you seek after God, his grace comes with him. His grace will find you. It even says in his word that his grace is sufficient. Sufficient for what? Sufficient when I'm going through a tough time. Sufficient when life isn't turning out the way that I want it to. Sufficient when everything around me seems to be going wrong. When the season of life that I find myself in is difficult, is tough. When people are against me, when life isn't going the way that I want it to. It's sufficient even in those moments. And sometimes what, what even can happen is that we think to ourselves, I can't pursue God, I can't be in the presence of God because I'm not right yet. Because I'm not in a good place yet. Can I tell you that the grace of God is given to us undeserved. We didn't do anything for it. Jesus died on a cross. He took the punishment for you and for me so that we can have availability to his grace. So guess what? You feel like that you don't deserve it? Me neither. You feel like that you don't, that, that you didn't earn it? Me neither, but that's the whole point. We didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, and yet God gave it freely with his love and with his kindness and with his mercy. It would be a tragedy for God to take your place, for Jesus to die on a cross, and for you to say, I'm not good enough to receive it. There's grace that's available for you tonight, and ultimately what we have to do is that we have to take off that burden, we have to take off that backpack, of shame, of guilt, of pride, of sin, and we have to leave it at the altar. And when we leave tonight, we're not gonna pick it back up. When we leave tonight, it's gonna stay up here because we're not meant to carry it. It even says in the Bible that Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. Some of y'all need rest tonight because you've been picking up the same burden over and over and over again, but God wants to give you rest if you would allow him to give you rest, amen? And before we move on, we're going to have one of our amazing students, Lily, come up and pray for us before we move on. 
Let's pray. God, I pray you pour your spirit out tonight, Jesus. I pray that your presence inhabits every inch of this room tonight, Lord. God, I pray that you can just convict our spirits, God, that you can speak to us, Lord. I pray that you speak through Elliot tonight, Jesus. God, I pray that your will be done, Jesus, your kingdom come, God. So we just thank you, God. We thank you for blessing us, God. In your name I pray, amen. Amen, amen. Hey, as you guys go back to your seats, find three people, tell them, don't miss it. tonight guys hey look at your neighbor say you look good look at your other neighbor the one you chose second say I'm glad you showed up even though I chose you second hey how we doing tonight you guys good man so stoked to see you Wednesday night best night of the week. Hey, I just want to say if you are brand new, maybe this is your first time ever uh, coming to our church. Maybe it's your first time ever in church at all. We just want to give you an extra special welcome. We have one rule around here. If you are in the room, you're family. We have to kind of stretch that rule. If you're in the room or you're watching online, you are family. Hey, we like welcoming our guests every single week in a way that for us, this never gets old. We like welcoming our guests by saying we're here to build you up, not... We love you, we back you, you don't have to believe to belong here. Welcome to Bridge Youth, stoked you chose to spend some of your time with us. Really quick, before I go any further, uh, Chargers fans, you good? <laughs> what did I say? What did I say? Oh, gosh. But like Corey, the Raiders didn't even make it to the playoffs, so let it go. I'll let it go, okay? I'll let it go. Um, hey, we are in week two. Somebody say two we're in week two of our series entitled Rooted. Rooted is the, name, is the name of the series we're in in January, but it's also kind of our word for the year. I feel like every year I kind of take time to pray around October, November. God, like what's our focus going to be for next year? And, and God led me to a verse that I'm going to ask in just a second if anybody's memorized it. And I got a little Starbucks gift card for you if you've memorized it. God led me to this verse and it taught all about this idea of being rooted. Before I do, um, did anybody lose a phone during worship? It is an Android. My God, that's you? 
Real quick, how come your phone's background's pizza? <laughs> he says, it's my first love pizza. Amen, brother. Amen. All right, hey, uh, does anybody think they have our, our scripture memorized? Do you have it? My guy in the Inuyasha shirt, one of my favorite animes of all time. You come, come up here. Come up here. You think you got it memorized? Come on over here, dude. Turn around for all the ladies to see the Inuyasha shirt and the Demon Slayer zip up. Y'all don't know. Yo, my guy, what's your name, dude? Wyatt. Wyatt? That's a great name, bro. Also, like, Wyatt out here, it's not even time for the preaching. Wyatt out here preaching. Wyatt, you're encouraging me, bro. Um, Inuyasha is one of my favorite animes of all time. It's a great anime. This guy, cool dude right here. You single? Don't, ask, don't answer that question. It's not what it's about. It's about Jesus. All right. Do you have our verse memorized? Yeah. You think you do? Do you, do you remember the book, the, what book it's in, the, the chapter and the verse? Do you remember that part or do you remember the words? Perfect, perfect. So he remembers the words of the verse. So my second gift card is going to be for anybody who, so don't put it up on the screen, team. Don't put it up on the screen. The, the second gift card will be whoever remembers the book, the chapter, and the verse. So Wyatt, can you hit us with this verse? Don't say the, I mean, I think you, remember, you, you might remember part of it. Don't say the book, the chapter, or the verse, but say the words for us. What is it? Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful if you do not remain in me. Ladies and gentlemen, my boy Wyatt. He doesn't only know good anime, he knows the Bible too. Good stuff, Wyatt. Appreciate you, bro. All right, does anybody remember book, chapter, and verse? Anybody remember book, chapter, and verse? There's somebody back there in a beanie. I can't see who it is. Beanie right here with your hand up. Yeah, come here. Come here. Nobody say it. Don't say it. What's up, my man? Oh, what's up, dude? All right. Give everyone your name. Uh, I'm Brayden. Brayden. Do you know book, chapter, and verse of our, our scripture memory for this uh, series? Yes, I do. What is it? John 15, or chapter 15, verse 4. Yes, sir. Give it up for Brayden, ladies and gentlemen. We kicked it old school, and we brought back scripture memory for Bridge Youth. John 15, verse 4 says, remain in me, and I'll remain in you. It's Jesus talking. And that idea of remaining in me, he says, he says a branch severed from the vine can't produce fruit. This is what being rooted is all about. This year, I believe that God's call for us is to get rooted. It's to be rooted in three things. Number one, rooted in our relationship in Christ. Number two, rooted in God's word. And number three, rooted in community. That's why, so number one, that's why we have moments like this, moments of worship where we're connecting with our Savior and our relationship with him is going deeper and deeper. Rooted in his word, this is why we're doing a 21-day Bible reading challenge. Every single day of this month, for the rest of the month, we're digging into God's word. We have a, some Bible plans going on in the Bible app. We're talking about scripture. If you're not in one of those, come see one of the leaders. We'll add you in. We're halfway through. Jump in for it. We're halfway through. We're one-third of the way through. We're about one-third of the way through. You can jump in with us for the rest of it. Come find me, Amber. Come find one of our leaders. Jump into a Bible plan. We'll get you in the, um, on the Bible app. And then rooted in community. This is why we do connect groups. And it was so awesome to see so many of y'all come out to connect groups on Sunday, this last Sunday. But this is why 
Every time you attend a connect group throughout January, every time you attend a connect group, you'll be entered to win $100 to Amazon. One guy's going to win $100, one girl's going to win $100 at the end of the month. So you got to be in connect groups. Here's why. Not to get $100 to Amazon, but to be planted in God's house, in God's family, in the community that he's placed you in. Amen? All right, one more thing I want to echo that our service host said. Um, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, right? Not this Saturday. Look at your neighbor and say, not this Saturday. Look at your other neighbor and say, but next Saturday. We got our She Unites Women's Half Day event. Christine the Hurricane is going to come and preach. She is. I've been saying this for a long time. She is in my top three favorite preachers on the planet. She's phenomenal. So ladies, hey, all the ladies say, hey. You got to come to this event, bro. You Seriously, I said, bro. You got to come to this event, sis. Like, you do not want to miss this event event. Trust me, you don't want to miss this event. It's half day. Tickets are on sale online right now. And also, bring your moms. Bring your aunt. Bring your, 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 your grandma. Bring your crazy cousin that you're like, she needs Jesus. <laughs> yeah, bring her to this event. If you can, pay for somebody. It's going to be phenomenal. Guys, all the gentlemen in the room, we have the opportunity that day to, um, to, to serve and to help make this event happen for the ladies. So if you want to help serve, come find myself. You can find Miss Alicia right over here. I call her Alicia No Keys, but we'll leave that one alone. <laughs> Go find Alicia out there service. We'd love to get you plugged in so that, guys, gentlemen, we can help make a, a, an event happen for the ladies. Is that cool? So let's make that happen. All right. Tonight, I'm not going to be preaching tonight. I'm not. Oh, stop. <laughs> I'll be back soon. Don't worry about it. Um, Tonight, I, 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 uh, you know I love you because I brought you a treat. I brought you a gift. I brought you uh, one of the people that, like, I, I, I've heard this dude preach more messages than you've had lattes, and he never gets old. He's such a genuine, authentic, gifted, passionate, loud preacher, and, and I've loved every message I've ever heard from him. Often we bring this guy out because I've told him, um, dude, you really are gifted in helping to come and kind of just, just throw wind in our sails and give us momentum, and then you challenge us and you encourage us and all of that. But here's what I love about this dude. Way better than he is a, a preacher and a pastor, he's a phenomenal husband, he's an, and he's a phenomenal father of two absolutely gorgeous boys. They're so cute. My gosh, they're so cute. I'll let you tell him, tell, tell you guys about his family. But here's, um, here's what you got to know about this dude. He, like me, is a, uh, like a hollaback preacher. So you will not scare him. I've, I've met his, his mom, lady, ladies, she's, she's a little wild. She's a preacher. She's an independent woman. So I promise you, being raised under, I've heard, I've heard his dad preach too. I promise you, the household, this, I, I know his sisters as well. So he, you ain't going to scare him if you talk back to him. So when he comes up and he speaks, let's do this. Wyatt just talked about this, about not missing. Let's not miss what God's about to speak to us. I believe that God's about to speak to every single one of us in this room, myself included. God is about to speak to you. Look at your neighbor, say, you. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second, say, you. Come on, sound team. One day, one day they're going to queue it up and it's going to be ready. 
I believe God is going to speak to you. So we're all, we're all big boys and big girls. We can hold our potties to the end of service. We can not distract each other. But let's do this. While, while he's speaking, let's add to. Let's not take away. So you can say amen. You can say that's good. You can say let's go. You can say preach it, white boy. So on the count of three as practices, we bring him up. Pick your favorite one. Shout it out as loud as you can. One, two, three. Hey, put your hands together. Welcome my friend, Elliot Bland. What's up? How's it going, Bridge Youth? Uh, also, happy birthday, Wyatt. It's great to be here tonight. Um, yeah, Bridge Youth is definitely a place that I consider home. Um, I feel like I was just here not that long ago. Um, and I, I love every opportunity I have to get to, uh, to be with you guys. I love you. Um, but I love your team. You have incredible leaders who have dedicated their lives. Do you know how many leaders have jobs and families outside of here? You have probably the only youth ministry that I know that has a youth leader who is a principal at a, what, what, what school? Like what, like, is it junior high or high school? Elementary. Oh my gosh. She spends her days with elementary school students and her Wednesday nights with you guys. I'm telling you, like, that is, uh, that's impressive. And so, I love your leaders, but I do, I do love Corey and Amber, your pastors, so much. I mean, uh, it, it goes without saying. I get a chance to say it every time I'm up here, but they have impacted my life. They are some of the best to ever do it, um, and so it's an honor to get to be here. So, you guys are in a series called uh, Rooted, right? You just started, and I love this idea of starting the new year off by thinking about being rooted in relationship with God. And uh, there's a lot of verses that talk about that. Shout out to you guys. Bro, what's your name? Oh, yeah. I forgot. Is it your birthday? No, that would be crazy. Um, shout out to you, man, for knowing that verse. Um, there's a lot that the Bible has to say about being rooted specifically. And when Corey asked me to come and speak, you know, I was looking at those verses that are really like using that analogy in a very obvious way, right? I'm the vine, you're the branches, be rooted in me. Um, you know, as I was praying about speaking to you guys, God kind of brought me to a different place. And I got to be honest, um, my message tonight is a little bit different in that it's coming from a real personal place. And, and ultimately, I do believe that it is talking about being rooted. Because here's the deal. I think so often when it comes to the idea of, like, being rooted in relationship with God, our mind automatically goes to the results of being rooted in God. Right? Like, like and this is the thing. When you are rooted in relationship with God, it does yield results. But I think so often... We get so preoccupied and focused on the results, and in fact, our results become our reason for being rooted. Listen, just stick with me tonight. Tonight of all nights, just stick with me, because it might not be for you. I mean this fully. What I'm about to say might not be for you, but it might be for the person sitting next to you or across from you. And their attention matters more than you just trying to distract pretty dramatic, right? But um, I think we get focused on the results of being rooted, and that becomes the reason. And tonight, I just want to focus on the idea 
of being rooted in relationship with Jesus, like being rooted in the person of Jesus, being rooted in the presence of Jesus. And so I, I want to go to a passage of scripture that I would wager that you're not super familiar with. I want to talk about some characters from the Bible that I would bet you're not super familiar with. These aren't the classic stories. This isn't one of the, the ones that you're, you're going to go to. In fact, tonight, I'm not even speaking about Jesus during his three years of ministry, uh, like the classic stories, you know, feeding the 5,000, the Samaritan woman. I'm talking about baby Jesus, eight ounce, six pound, baby Jesus. I, I, we, we only talk about baby Jesus at Christmas time. And so I'm going to talk about baby Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas. All right, all right. It's kind of, it's hot up here. Thank you. Um, so I want to read, look, look, look. I want to read from Luke chapter uh, 2, starting in verse 1. Follow with me. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read it, and I want you guys to, uh, I think we might have it up here. If not, just follow along. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 21, actually. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised. It's a great place to start, right? <laughs> Whoa, little we just said circumcised. Um, little we, he just said circumcised. Um, at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. Here's just like a little... Fun fact, I guess, um, a little history lesson for you. In Jewish culture and tradition, babies did not receive their name officially until eight days later after they were born when they went to the temple and got circumcised. It, like the Jewish culture, what you're going to learn about what I'm reading right now is it's a story that's full of culture and tradition and ceremony, but all of that matters. So Jesus, here's what's happening. Baby Jesus has just been born. He's eight days old. And they've taken him to the temple to be circumcised. And this is when he actually receives his name, Jesus. That, bro, is going to, like, it has nothing to do with the story. But one day, if you ever go on, like, Jeopardy or some trivia show, and they're like, at what point did Jesus get his name? Everyone's going to be like, when the angel told Mary or saying all this stuff. And you're going to know eight days later at his circumcision. So, they're there. And he receives the name Jesus, verse 22. And when the time had come for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So again, he's there, eight days. We already know what's going to happen. You're like, dude, please. It's, you've been up here for three minutes. You've said circumcision like seven times. Like, that's the last time, circumcision. But now there, there's, there's more tradition. There's more ceremonies for him to go to because Jesus is the firstborn son of Mary, right? And it's so interesting the way that we se they said it. How many, like, oldest children, firstborn, are in the room? I'm, I'm the oldest of three. I have two younger sisters. I am the firstborn son. But the way that the law of Moses puts that, you guys are the ones that... Opened your mother's womb. 
that's a little bit uncomfortable. Like, that's like, that's a little aggressive, right? Um, but look, Jesus is there for this ceremony, for this sacrifice, to offer sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. This is the last time that I'll, I'll stop for a moment until I just read for a couple of minutes. They're there to offer a sacrifice because Jesus is the oldest son, right? What's so interesting about the Christmas story, look, pay attention, boys, real quick. What's so interesting about the Christmas story is that it's so full of these moments that point, Jesus is the king of kings, but there's so much humility in the story of the birth of our Savior. He didn't come in the way that, that you would expect a king to show up. He was born in a manger, right? And even in the sacrifice that they are doing for, for baby Jesus, the first sacrifice, if you go back and you read the law of Moses, you could either offer a lamb or two turtle doves. Two turtle doves was the cheaper option. I just think it's interesting that even in the first sacrifice that the Savior of the world is being offered for the law of Moses because he was the firstborn. They couldn't even afford the lamb. They had to offer two young turtle doves. Okay. I think that's cool. Um, now I'm going to read for a little bit. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what he said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when, they were, when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I, I pray against distraction tonight. I already feel it, and I know that there's a reason for it. Because there are students in this room who need to hear tonight's message. It has nothing to do about me. It has everything to do about your word. Your word is alive and it brings transformation. And I pray, God, that you would help us to focus in on these next few moments that we have together with you. That we would leave here transformed because of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is a story that I know you're probably not super familiar with. It's a part of the Christmas story. They don't have a lot of songs about it. It's not included in any of the manger scenes, right? Think about it. The manger scenes got Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus and a couple of farm animals, some shepherds, and then the three wise men. You know what's so disrespectful? The three wise men, the wise men in the story, right, they didn't see Jesus until two years later. And they get included in all the Christmas gear and everything like that. Simeon and Anna got to meet Jesus eight days after he was born, and we don't even know them. They're the forgotten members of this Christmas story. 
And I think that we learn such powerful lessons from this story about being in the presence of Jesus. So there's a few things I want to point out about this story that I think will hopefully impact the way that you see it. Because here's the question that I asked myself when I read this. I've grown up in church my whole life. My parents are pastors, right? Like, I know the Christmas story, but as I was reading through the Bible for myself this year, which I will just say, I know that you guys are doing some Bible plans. Guys, this row right here, pay attention. I can't focus, all right? You with me? Yeah, bro, thank you so much. Reading the Bible through a year is life-changing. Because even if you've read some things before, I'm sorry, guys. I just can't focus. I've like, I really, look, I really do believe in what I'm about to speak about tonight. Like, Genuinely, I don't think you understand how personal this message is for me. So I'm not trying to put you on blast, but for the next few moments, just, just lean in. Okay? Because I was reading through the Bible this year, and I read this story, and I never read it before. Or maybe I had, but I didn't remember it. And as I was reading it, I asked myself this question. Why is it here? Like, what's the point? Why do we read about Simeon and Anna in the Christmas story? Like, what's the purpose? What's the bigger picture? And so I want to I wanna understand that tonight. What's the point? Because I think that's a question that not only we ask about this story, but sometimes it's the question we're asking ourselves in life, right? Like, what's the point? What's the purpose? So there's a few things about the story I want to look at. First of all, I want to look at the place. The setting of this story, because I think that this is where our misconceptions begin. This story takes place in the temple. And I think, for me, I have this misunderstanding about where this is. The ancient temple. Maybe because it's like a Christmas story, I put some really like Christmas elements into it. You know what I'm saying, Wyatt? Like when I picture this story, I'm, I'm thinking that like, it's snowing outside, it's all peaceful, it's beautiful, and there's this little chapel at the end of the road, right? And it's all old and, and ornate. And Jesus, Mary, and Joseph walk in, the doors like creak open, you know? And they got like high ceiling beams and stained glass windows. And like Simeon and Anna are there. And Simeon's got like a little collar. I think, I'm thinking of a Catholic church, now that I say it out loud, right? Like, which obviously it's not a Catholic church because Catholicism did not exist yet. And that would be really weird if Jesus, Mary, and Joseph walk into a Catholic church. Because Mary's going to be like, they got pictures of me everywhere, bro. Like these people, they're obsessed with me. And Jesus is going to be like, um, who's that guy on the cross? Uh, but, they, they, look. This is what I picture, the, the, the setting of this story matters because it's where like my misconceptions began. I picture this like Christmassy Catholic chapel, but that's not the setting of this story. The temple, the ancient temple that we're reading about was a place of worship, yes, but it was also a place of custom and tradition and sacrifice. And, and in reality, this was a big compound. It was a giant building with, with multiple buildings connecting to it. And it was a place where the Jewish community was constantly at. Because there were all these sacrifices and traditions that were taking place for everything. From birth to death 
to marriage, to just like being a Saturday. There were things that the Jewish people had to do and sacrifices that they had to make. So constantly, this place was bustling. And in this story, it's not a silent, peaceful night that Mary, Jesus, and Joseph walk in and meet Simeon and Anna, the only two people waiting for them in the temple. The temple is like an airport or a DMV that is just bustling with people there for a purpose. And I think that this matters because Simeon and Anna having this encounter with Jesus was not because they were the only ones there that day. Think about this. There were so many people brushing shoulders with the Messiah and never realizing it. You want to know something that could like really blow your mind? It's not far off to think that there were probably people there that day who were a part of the insurrection that led to Jesus' crucifixion. There were people there with eight-day-old Jesus that ultimately, 30 years later, would be saying, crucify him. At the very least, their, their children would be a part of that. There are some people and some scholars that even think it is possible that Paul the Apostle was there that day as a young man receiving his training in the temple. This is the place and the setting of this story. A place full of people who miss the point. Bro, you can be in the right place and miss the point. You can show up on a Wednesday night and miss the point. You can do everything and, and, and get ready and, 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 and drive here and get all that type of stuff and be here physically in the presence of the living God and still miss it. So we look at the place. I want to look at the people. This story is interesting because it's really got five characters. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and these two people that we've not really heard of before or after, Simeon and Anna. And you know, like, I love youth ministry, and that's one of the things that me and Corey and Wyatt and Joey and so many others, we share in common. is like, we don't think of this as a stepping stone. We don't think of this as a, as a babysitting service. We believe in, in what's happening here. We wouldn't do all of this if we didn't believe you. I wouldn't be, like, all weird and aggressive and sit on the stage if I didn't, like, believe in this, Right? But this story isn't about young people. I got to be honest, I have like a bias. I usually only preach about young people. Bro, give me Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all day long. Three young Israelites in Babylon. Change the world, bro. Come on. But this is about two old people. Two old people named Simeon and Anna. And I think that they're so interesting. Like, really when you think about it, there is a lot of similarities between old people and and young people. I, I had the opportunity this year to uh, preach at a retirement home. Bro, I'm telling you, if I didn't already have a home church, I would go to church at a retirement home. Because, let me just, this, this one fact alone will sell some of you. They sat down during all of worship. Like, bro, I'm in. Sign me up. Like, nobody's judging you. They're just sitting down all of worship. Imagine them in hype worship, just wheeling into each other, bro, like just. <laughs> Anyways, they're, I'm at the retirement home. I'm at the retirement home, and uh, I realized something, that there are a lot of similarities between youth church and, and retirement church. Like, for instance, it's 
a church full of people who are kind of in the similar stage of life, right? Like you're in, some of you guys are like junior hires and some of you are seniors, but ultimately kind of in the same zone of life. Both groups of people have really strong tastes in music and are very opinionated about it, right? Like also most of the people that attend there need someone to drive them there. You know what I'm saying? Like some of them could drive, but most people need a ride. It's also like the only type of church that, you hear about someone getting injured and it's not a shock. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, oh, bro, so-and-so broke their arm. And you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, different reasons for sure. Like, youth, it's like a skateboarding injury and retirement church is like standing. So <laughs> a little different but like similar. And ultimately, though, I do think that there's a similarity that can be seen from God's a bit, like desire to use old people and young people, because they're both overlooked by society often. Young people, you're too young to do anything. Old people, you're too old and your opportunity has passed. Like we have this idea in culture that the only time that you are effective is from like 25 to however old Corey is. I don't know, like, um, <laughs> no, nah, just kidding. But do you know what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? No, um, we have this idea that effectiveness is in this like stage of life, like when I grow up, when I'm older, one day, when I graduate, when I get married, and we have this thinking that like eventually I'll get to purpose, but I'm here to tell you, God has purpose on your life right now. But in the same vein, I love that God uses old people, because what God is saying is, I'm not done with you. As long as there is breath in your, your lungs, it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. I desire to be in relationship with you and to use you. So I love that Simeon and Anna are, are old. And so I want to look at them individually because I think that there's some things that both of, a, both of them show us. Let's start with Anna. Anna is a, an interesting character. There's not much that we know about her. One of the really, like, only things that the Bible says about her is that she used to be married. She was married at one time, but her husband died. She's a widow. <laughs> She's a widow. And, like, here's the thing about that. Being a widow is sad. But in the day and age that this story is taking place, it's pretty significant. Because a woman's purpose and identity culturally was tied to being married. A woman couldn't work. She couldn't have a job on her own. So her sense of identity was found in being a wife and being a mother. Also, her sense of protection was tied to that. Because she couldn't work. And, and her identity was found in, in taking care of the house and taking care of the kids. And again, like some of you guys are like, I'm so mad. I'm a, it's okay, chill out. Like, it's just culturally when this was taking place. But also her sense of protection. Like, her husband was out making money so that there was food to eat and, and literal protection of her from everything happening. And Anna, it, it, it says she was married as a virgin, right? And so let's... Do a little bit of, like, assuming right now, okay? Let's assume Anna was married at around the same age as Mary. Because Mary is not the exception to the rule culturally. Like, most people were getting married as virgins at the same age as Mary, which was about 15. I know that's, like, intense. There's so many, like, 15-year-olds. You're like, I am a sophomore. They're talking about getting married. That's just, it was a different day, bro. 
So let's assume, right, she got married at 15. It says she had been married for seven years, and then her husband died. If she got married, this, I'm about to give you, like, a math problem. If she got married at 15, and she gets in a train going 75 miles per hour, no. If she got married at 15, and she was married for seven years, and her husband died, how old was she when her husband died? 22, right? And now... Now we know how old she is currently when this story is taking place. Husband died at like 22, 22, 23, 24, around there. Let's call it 22. Her husband died at 22. She is now 84. 84 minus 22, 62. Bro, here's the trick in case you're wondering. You'll never have to do math around people again. If you're ever trying to, like, figure out a tip or something like that at a restaurant, and people are like, how much is, like, 12 divided by, and just... Act like you're doing math in your head until someone else says a number and then agree with them. And like, because at worst, at worst, at worst, both of you are wrong together, right? At best, you're right. So, but you guys are, are geniuses. 62 years. For 62 years, give or take, Anna has been a widow, which again is sad, but in this day and age is significant. She had no sense of purpose culturally. She had no sense of protection culturally. And I think it's so fitting, Wyatt, that you talked about what you did during uh, the, the little prayer moment encouragement. You didn't know what I was going to speak about. There you are. You didn't know what I was going to speak about, but clearly God is doing something here. Because Anna had every right to be mad at God. For losing her husband because she didn't just lose the love of her life she lost her sense of purpose and her sense of protection and she could have easily seen that burden as a reason to give up and quit and run away but you know what Anna does she uses it as her reason to go and serve God because she was not a wife and she was not a mother which culture defined as the reason for being alive if you were a woman at that time. But because she didn't have a home to take care of and kids to feed, she had freedom that not everybody else had. And rather than spending all of her time being upset at what she didn't have and seeing it as an obstacle, she saw an opportunity to do something that other women couldn't do at that time. And she dedicated her life to serving God in the temple. For 62 years... She didn't become a victim. She became a servant. And she said, you know what? I trust God, and I know that he's good. And this didn't turn out the way that I thought when I got married young. I didn't think I'd just have seven years and not get to be a mother and not to have to have a family. But you know what? I have availability that nobody else does. So I will dedicate my life to serving in the temple day in and day out. That's what she did. And you want to know what's so interesting about Anna? She is the only person in the Christmas story who does not have divine intervention that leads her to Jesus. Think about this. Mary and Joseph had an angel come and talk to him. The shepherds had angels come and tell him. The wise men had a star guiding them. Even Simeon, who I'm going to talk about in a second, had the Holy Spirit guide him to Jesus. Anna just seems to be at the right place at the right time. For 62 years... She had served God. If there's a lesson to be learned from Anna, it's this. The power of proximity and persistence. 
the power of proximity and persistence. Because this is what's so incredible about Anna. She served when nobody else was watching. She served when nobody else cared. Because she wasn't a wife and because she wasn't a mother, she didn't offer anything to society. But she didn't care about the accolades of everyone else. She just cared about serving God. And she served in the temple day in and day out for 62 years with no credit, with no praise, never imagining that one day by just doing what she had always done, it would present an opportunity for her to meet the savior of the world. And what I love about Anna is like, that wasn't the reason she did it, but it was a result of what she was doing. The power of proximity and persistence. I think of those like cheesy Facebook like memes that like your aunts and uncles share of like that like minor, like you know what I'm talking about working in mines, and he's got like a pickaxe, and he's, you could tell he's been like hitting, and, and there's a picture of like diamonds, and he's like one hit away from it, but he's like, he quits, and then it says something like, never give up. Do you know what I'm talking about? But the truth is, like that is so corny, but you don't know how close you are. You don't know how close you are to that prayer that you've been praying being answered. I'm just saying, you don't know how close you are to the breakthrough that you've been wanting in your life. There is power in proximity, being where you need to be. But we already said, just being in the right place isn't enough, right? But Anna had the right heart. She showed up for the right reason. And when the moment when the Messiah entered the place, she recognized him. And she met him. And, and I love Anna's response to meeting Jesus. Anna's response is this, proclamation. Proclamation, Luke chapter 2, verse 38. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna meets the Messiah, and she goes and she tells people about what just happened. I got a chance to talk to the school of ministry students today. And one of the things I was talking about was the disciples. When Jesus... 30 years later, is doing his earthly ministry, and he goes and he calls the disciples, and other people have an experience with the Savior of the world. There's a disciple named Philip who encounters Jesus, and his first response is to go and tell his buddy Nathaniel about it. And I love this. I love what Anna does. I love what Philip does, because I think too often we are okay, and we want to have moments and encounters with Jesus, but we keep it to ourselves. Bro, how many times are you going to come to Bridge Youth and show up at the front and have people pray for you and cry tears or go to camp or go to convention or come to summer weekend or whatever it is and you have an encounter with the Savior of the world and you're like, I'm never going to be the same. And you go home and your parents say, how was church? And you go, fine. Bro, how often are you going to come here on a Wednesday night and tomorrow when you go to school and people say, hey, I didn't see you at the big game last night. Where were you? You say, oh, I just got busy and I had some homework. God is throwing you a layup. He's giving you an opportunity to share with people about what you've experienced, but you won't proclaim it. we got to stop keeping this to ourselves. Take the opportunity to share what Jesus has done. 
the encounter and the experience that you've had with them. The power of proximity and persistence and sharing and proclamation. That's Anna. Let's look at Simeon. Again, we don't know much about these people except for what the Bible tells us. One of the things that we know about Simeon is he is righteous and devout. This is something that the Bible shares about both of these characters. That Anna has spent 62 years serving righteously. And that Simeon, did I say Simeon twice? Simeon is a man who is righteous and devout. Here's why I mention this. Because the Bible mentions it, but also we live in a culture and a society that loves to talk about the, the, the love of God and the grace of God. And it is worth talking about. We should never get tired talking about it. But we are uncomfortable talking about the righteousness of God. Bro, we can listen and, and hear messages all day long about the love of God that none of us deserve or could earn and the grace that is freely given because it's worth talking about. Bro, I could preach about that right now and get fired up and get you excited with me. But the Bible is also full of examples of God recognizing the righteous. Here's where this gets tricky, though. Living a life of righteousness isn't about earning God's recognition. It's a result of living a life of righteousness. God does recognize the righteous, but living a life of righteousness isn't the reason just to get recognized, but it is a result. So we have to embrace this tension of I walk in righteousness, not so God will love me more or so that people will think that I'm better, but because I want to honor God. I serve a righteous God, and I want to look more and more like him every day. And you know what happens? God recognizes the righteous. He sees Simeon who has devoted his life. He sees Anna, who spent 62 years serving and nobody saw it. But that wasn't their reason for doing it. But it was a result of them doing it. He's righteous, he's devout. What else do we know about him? He is waiting for the consolation of Israel. This means like he was waiting for the comfort of salvation. This shows us something very powerful about Simeon, actually. It shows he believes that God does what he says he's going to do. There may have been other people in the temple that day who had gotten so sick of waiting. It had been hundreds of years at that point that they were just like, I don't, I mean, it's probably just an analogy. I mean, I, I don't think it's actually ever going to happen. But Simeon believed that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. That God was going to send a savior, the comfort of salvation. And he was waiting for that earnestly. Young people, do we believe that God does what he says he's going to do? Like, I, I feel so strongly that that has just got to be a foundation for us, that we even just believe that God can bring transformation in our schools, and that we believe that God can bring transformation in our homes, that we believe that God will use a young person who is available and willing. But do you even believe it? Are you waiting earnestly for it? He was waiting for the comfort of salvation. He believed that God would do what he said he was going to do. And you want to know what else? And this is probably the most important thing that we see about Simeon. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And this matters. This is significant, not just in the day and age that we're living. This might take place in the New Testament, but you got to think of this in an Old Testament sort of way. Because in the Old Testament, before the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out. The Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 is poured out on the day of Pentecost. And, and Jesus says, wait, I'm going to send a helper for you. And the beauty is he sent a helper for the disciples that day. And that helper is still the helper that is helping us to this day. Right? So we have access to the Holy Spirit. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was reserved 
for kings and prophets and priests and these specific occasions for judges. And Simeon has the Holy Spirit on him. And the Holy Spirit tells him, I know you're old, bro, but you're not going to die until you meet the Messiah. And then, better yet, guides him to Jesus that day at the temple. This is what's so beautiful, though, about this moment. Because, again, we live post-Pentecost. We have access to the Holy Spirit in a way that the people at that time did not. What was Simeon waiting for? The comfort of salvation. Who guides Simeon to Jesus? The comforter. There's something so beautiful and poetic about that. Simeon was waiting for comfort that only comes from salvation. And the one that guides him there is the comforter. The Holy Spirit is also known as the comforter. And that is still how it works to this day. The comforter draws us in. There is nothing good in us that would desire God except for the Holy Spirit drawing us to himself and saying, I have what you're looking for. No thing that the world has to offer can compare to relationship with me. And there is comfort found in salvation that the Spirit of God guides us to to this day. If Anna teaches us the power of proximity and persistence, Simeon teaches us the power of the Holy Spirit. Young people, we have a helper named the Holy Spirit. That empowers us, that guides us, that leads us, that comforts us. We got to embrace that. And I love Simeon's response. Anna's response is proclamation. Simeon's response is praise. And the band could come up if they want. In Luke chapter 2, verse 28, he says, He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. Simeon prayed a prayer. I, I want to see the Messiah before I die. God answers his prayer. And Simeon praises him. We've looked at the place, the temple. Full of people, but only two of them really recognized who was there that day. We looked at those two people, Anna and Simeon. Two old people that teach us some really incredible lessons. So what is the point? That's what I asked myself when I read this story again. That's always been there, but I just, I never really knew it. Have Simeon and Anna always been a part of this story? Like, because what is the Christmas story? I know we, we love it and, like, we get the lights and it's like the Christmas season. But the Christmas story is the, the salvation story of the world beginning. That God put on flesh. He sent his son Jesus to earth as a baby to live a sinless life. Ultimately, to die on the cross for our sins and rise again in power. The salvation story of the world. This is the beginning of it. So what's the point, dude? Why are we hearing about these two old people just in a random eight days after Jesus was born, as he's going for his sacrifice, just meeting him? First and foremost, because it, it happened. If you need a reminder that the Bible is history, not fiction, look no further than the story of Simeon and Anna. Because it's included, because the, the writers are just writing down what had happened. Eight days later, Jesus went. 
And they did a sacrifice, two turtle doves. And while he was there, there's these two old people, Simeon and Anna, and, and they met him. And Anna went and proclaimed, and Simeon praised, and, and then the story continues. But you know, if it was fiction, it, here's how I would have wrote it. Just stay with me for a second. I'd keep the, the star, like the base of the story the same. No notes. I think it's great. It's the end. It's the end that just like, it, there's something about it that I just couldn't, why, why is it here? What is the point? So here's what I would have done. Simeon and Anna, they meet Jesus. That's all great. But while they're there with Jesus, not only do they meet the Messiah, they also meet each other. Right? Maybe their hands touch. Oh, we know Anna's single, bro, for 62 years. And they look at each other, they, and they look, they fall in love, bro. A little, a little meat cute, right? A little messianic meat cute, right? They're there. Where'd you guys meet? Uh, Jesus' circumcision. They're there, right? <laughs> Honey, you tell the story. Uh, they're there, and they meet, and they're like, but like they fall in love and they get married. And we know that in the Old Testament especially, God loved making old people have kids. It's like one of his top five favorite things to do, bro. He does it all the time in the Old Testament. Old ladies just getting pregnant. So I know, I know that Anna's 84, but she, her and Simeon have a kid. And, and then here's, here's where it gets interesting. That kid, they name him Simon, later to be known as Peter. Or here's another, here's another way you could go. You want a real like M. Night Shyamalan twist? Same story, they meet, get married, fall in love, have a kid, and his name, Judas Iscariot. Bro, now it's spicy. Now it, now it drives the story along. Now it makes sense in the grand storybook scheme of it all. But that's not what happened. Bro, at the very least, I feel like I was looking for a moment where Simeon meets Jesus and then somebody gets healed or Anna meets Jesus and then a dead kid is raised to life or at very least someone is financially provided for because the thing is, I could preach about that. I could preach a sermon that says they were there and they were faithful and they were devout and they were righteous and then one day Jesus showed up and here's what happened. Simeon went out and he preached to thousands of people. But what broke me is a realization that I had about myself as I read this story. As I was searching for the point, it was right there all along. I just missed it. Because the point was the presence of God. Literally, that's why this happened. Not for some grand scheme and something that makes sense or drives the story along. It was just so these two old people that devoted their life to serving God and never got credit for it and were never seen and thanked and got accolades or went down in history just got to meet, just meet eight-day-old baby Jesus. And it was enough. It was enough for them to just be in his presence and I was broken as I realized this because what it revealed for me is so often in my own life and I know I'm not the only one here, but I've made Jesus a means to an end. I gotta get in his presence so I can be a better husband, so I could be a better father, so I could have messages to preach to young people and I've so often made Jesus a means to an end. I gotta be rooted in him so that one day, I gotta be rooted in him so that I can, what I realized about this story is the point is his presence. The point to life 
the point for us being here tonight is his presence. And yes, I do know that spending time in the presence of God does yield results that a a vine connected will produce fruit. I know it. But we got to stop chasing fruit. And we got to stop chasing results. And we got to lean back into the reason for it all. Just being in his presence. Just showing up on a Wednesday night and saying, I just... I just got to get time with Jesus. And I don't know what's going to happen next. I know I have a lot of things that are out of control. But honestly, I just, I just need to be near him. I just need to see him. Simeon spent his whole life devoted to righteousness. And in his praise, he says, I can die a happy man just knowing that I've seen my Savior. What if you never do another thing? Except for what happens here tonight. God forbid something crazy happened, something tragic happened. Would it be okay if tonight you just had a moment with the Savior of the world? Or you just spent time in his presence. You never went down in history. You never got credit for anything. But you did get to to see his face. You did get to sit at his feet. And so I got to admit, this message is personal to me. And it produces a sense of, it's conviction. I've had to repent because I've missed the point. And I've made my time with Jesus a means to an end. And I'm done with that. And so tonight, I want to invite you to stand. And I want to give you a chance to put everything else aside, the people next to you, what you're going home to, the things you have to do tomorrow, the dreams you have about your future, literally just put it all aside and just be in his presence. Close your eyes right now. Because here's the thing. He's here tonight. Just like he was there that day in the temple and there were so many people walking by him, brushing shoulders with him, even maybe looking and being like, man, that baby's kind of cute. I don't know what was happening in their minds, but he was there that night and they missed it. And he's here tonight. And as we worship, I want you to really try to not focus on what happens after this, to just be in this moment, be rooted in the relationship that we have to have with our Savior. God, I thank you for what you're doing in Bridge Youth, what you're doing in these students, collectively as a group. I can't wait to see what happens, but in this moment right now, I thank you for every individual represented every story that's represented, every past hurt that's represented. And I thank you, God, that you see each and every one of us in this room tonight and you call us a son and you call us a daughter and you just long to be in relationship with us. And yeah, there are things that will happen as a result of us being rooted in you. But tonight, I pray that it would just be enough that we worship you, 
that we proclaim your goodness, that we sit at your feet and gaze upon your face and your glory and your goodness. The point is your presence, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. I was encouraged challenged honestly in some ways convicted by that message I had a friend ask me one time if you got to heaven and Jesus wasn't there, would you want to stay? And, and I thought long and hard about that, about that question, and, and it challenged my, my faith and my theology and my thinking and my relationship, and, and I'm here checking my own heart of like, why do I want to get into Jesus' presence? Why are we reading, why are we, why are we digging into the discipline of reading his word every day? Do I want to dig into his word and learn more scripture so I could be a better and more effective preacher? As, a, as I'm, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what Elliot was going to preach. He's a, such a close friend and, and honestly family to bridge youth to the point where we don't have to, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a wise thing to review a preacher's notes before they preach, if, especially if you don't know him well. Elliot's family to us. It's at the point where we don't got to look over his notes to make sure it's all theologically correct. We know, we know Elliot, and, 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 and he's a solid man of God, and he, he's a solid preacher. So I didn't know what he was going to preach tonight. And this is hitting me in a way of like, I wrote down in my, in my notes, the point is not the fruit. The point is the roots. And if I got to heaven and Jesus wasn't there, I don't want to stay because that's not heaven. If Jesus is in a cardboard box, I want to be in that cardboard box with him forever. Because otherwise, is Jesus not the cool kid on the street with the awesome toys that you don't even like him? You just like his PlayStation? You just like the swimming pool? You just like the cool things that he has? And we're like, I'm not really all that into Jesus, but heaven sounds awesome. Eternity sounds awesome. Blessing sounds awesome. Prosperity sounds awesome. And healing sounds awesome. And I want all those things. Those things are not the point. Jesus is the point. The point's not the fruit. The point's the root. But the fruit is the byproduct of the root. It's not the reason, but it's the result. There is nothing better than, than, than the presence of God. There's nothing better. The psalmist said better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be in your presence for a moment than anywhere else for a thousand years. You hear people say, would you want to live forever? Why, why, is, why is Twilight such a, such a successful franchise? Oh, Edward and Bella together forever. I don't want that. I want to be in his presence tangibly right now we're in his presence and in in a a way in which his presence manifests with us but one day we'll look at him we'll see him we'll talk to him he'll be in front of us i want that do you want that young person because you can have it 
I'm going to give you the opportunity in just a moment to surrender your life to Jesus. It's the best decision you could ever make with your life. But don't get it twisted. The reason we step into a relationship with Jesus isn't to get his cool stuff. It's to get him. He is the cool stuff. He is the blessing. He is the prize. That one day, some people live for money and some people live for their their recognition. I love how you said, what if never, you're never known for something great. Some people live to be known as someone great. Some people live for their legacy. I'm living for a one-liner that one day I'd get face to face with Jesus. He would look me in the face and he would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Nothing else compares and nothing else will drive my life. And if you want that, Here's the amazing thing. Simeon was known as a righteous man. Here's what I'm so blessed by. I think so often I'm anything but a righteous man. I was talking to some young people in Idaho this weekend, and one of them talked about, Corey, I don't feel like I'm worthy to be used by God. And I said, welcome to the club. Every time I step on a platform, the enemy reminds me of the 52 ways I've messed up this week. But here's the great thing about righteousness, young person. Listen to me. Righteousness is not based on you. It's placed on you. Jesus purchased your righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All you have to do is say, I accept. I accept the sacrifice that you made, Jesus. I accept the free gift of salvation. And then from there on out, I'm going to walk in the lifelong process of sanctification. But if you want to accept that free gift, right now you're going to have the opportunity. One more, one more time, close your eyes, bow your heads. Public setting, private moment. If you're in this place and you say, ah, that's me, Corey. I want to enter into a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to ask you to respond in a simple way. I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I just want you to lift your hand, then you can put it right back down. No talking this up. No, no trying to sell you on it. You have a desire in your heart. That's the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart to step into a relationship with Jesus. This is your moment. This is your time. Elliot had his moment. I had my moment 15 years old at a Bible club at my school. This is your moment. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You want a relationship with Jesus. You want to be rooted in him. You want to do what John 15 says. Remain in him. Simeon, Anna, they had their moment. They got to meet Jesus. This is your moment right now. When I get to three, you want a relationship with him. You lift your hand, put it right back down. Here we go. One, two, three, go. All over this place. You can put your hands down. It's the best decision you can make with your life, young person. I promise you that. I look over my shoulder. There's so many decisions I made that I regret. I've never once ever regretted following Jesus. The Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and that he rose from the dead, and you'll be saved. So that's what we're going to do. We start this journey with words that we say with our mouth, that we believe in our heart. We call it prayer. For some of you guys, you're like, I can't pray. I've never prayed before. That's okay. I'm going to give you the words, and we're a family. So we're actually going to pray these words together. Would you say these words right out loud, right after me, every single person? Say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you everything. And from this moment forward, I'm gonna follow you. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. From this day forward, I am your child and you are my father. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Can we welcome people into God's family right now? Can we do, you were right, Elliot, that was a different message. Can we do something different? Do me a favor, don't anybody, don't anybody distract anybody. Would you guys head down to the front right now? And as you're heading down, we're gonna get into worship in a moment, but head down to the front and spread out along the front. You know, I think that we, we really are, like Elliot, we really are so guilty of, of talking and preaching a lot. I was looking at Joey as I was talking that. We really, I saw a hat, I thought, we're really like, as a preacher, like I am sometimes guilty of preaching a lot, a lot, a lot about the love and the grace of God, but that's because I'm just so thankful for it. And I think that we're really, really, really good with relationship, but our generation might be losing touch a little bit with reverence. You know, this is why, like, when I pray, and you don't have to do this. Trust me, you don't have to do it. Ladies, when you wear a beanie, you don't have to take your beanie off when we pray and put it back on. I know, your hair is going to be wild, right? But, like, for me, when, when we do the national anthem at a sports game, we take our hats off. So when I'm going to pray, I'm going to take my hat off. Not that you have to. Like, I'm not saying you have to. I'm not saying you're disrespectful if you don't. I'm not that I'm not that old, okay? I'm not the old guy that's like, listen, son, you better take your ball cap off when we pray. Like, have some respect. I'm not saying, I'm just saying sometimes what I do, what I do, I position my body physically to what I'm trying to communicate in my heart, my spirit, my soul. God, I honor you. I'm reverent to you. I understand you're my heavenly father and we're so close and we have proximity and you love me. But also you're you're God, you're God. And you wanna talk about the point is his presence? Did you know we weren't allowed to be in the presence of God before Jesus? There was this thing in this temple that, that Elliot's referring to and it was called the veil. Picture a giant curtain like this. And on the other side of that curtain was where the presence of God was. And we weren't allowed in there. The only people allowed in there were the priests. And the priests were allowed in there very cautiously. Very cautiously. What they would do historically, they would tie a, they would tie a, a, a rope to their leg or around their waist and they'd have a bell on them because if they walked into the presence of God and they had sin that they didn't atone for, they would drop dead in the presence of God. The people on the other side of the veil, the curtain would hear the bell go ding, ding, and they'd go, time to pull out the dead body. We weren't allowed to be in God's presence because he's holy, which means set apart. And if we're not holy, we can't be in his presence. But then Jesus died. And you know what happened to the veil the moment that Jesus died? It ripped in half from top to bottom, from top to bottom to signify and say, you did not accomplish this. Our faith is the only faith in the entire world that is not about us getting to God, but God coming down to us. And he said, I want you to be in my presence so bad. I'm gonna take matters into my own hands. And now we can get in this presence. But I don't wanna just be in his presence with relationship, I want reverence. So I'm gonna ask us all to do something very different. 
And I know this might seem a little religious or a little ritualistic. It's not. It's just reverent. Nobody distracting anybody in this moment. If you need to spread out a little bit, would you with me right there in the presence of God, just get on your knees before him. I know it's going to hurt your knees for a second. That's absolutely fine. Why, Corey? Why, why would we do this? Because sometimes we need to posture our bodies to match the posture of our heart. And sometimes Jesus told people to do something very physical that had spiritual significance. So for some of you who have never felt like you were in the presence of God, you've been in the presence. You had proximity, but you missed it. Maybe it's because you've had a bit too much pride that you weren't positioned in your physical body to match the posture of your heart. And right now, you are for the first time going to experience God's presence, not in a religious or ritualistic way, but in a genuine and authentic way. Right there, postured before the Lord in his presence. Would you do this? Close your eyes and put your hands right out in front of you like you're receiving something from just rest in his presence God you're so good don't don't anybody take away from this moment this is a holy moment you're so good God you're so good to us you're so faithful to us God, right now, in your house, in your presence, God, we, we repent for missing the point. You are the point, Jesus. Your presence is the point. God, we, we, we repent from ulterior motives. We repent from, from trying to twist your arm and use you as a means to an end. And right now, we make the point the point your presence and we rest in it we thank you for it it's such a gift and an honor to get to be in your presence to get to hear from you to get to hang out with you it's such a gift it's such an honor and we thank you for it we honor you for it God I pray in this moment that roots would be going down deep in a relationship with you not to get anything out of it but to simply fall more in love with you. This is the moment where our faith goes deeper. We fall more in love with you. So we rest in your presence. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand to your feet right now? And in this next moment, what we're going to do is we're gonna praise. I, 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 wrote in my, I wrote in my Bible, Elliot, as, as you read your verse, next to Simeon's response, I wrote, what a prayer, with an exclamation point, as he said, sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. He just prays. Do me a favor one more time. Instead of having your hands out in front of you receiving something from God, would you close your eyes and lift your hands and surrender? God, 
We worship you and we honor you and we praise you. Not because we want anything out of it. Not because we have ulterior motives. This isn't in this moment about us receiving. This is all about you receiving glory and honor because you're worthy. God, you're worthy. Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy. You are the alpha. You are the omega. You're the beginning. You're the end. You're the author and finisher of our faith. You are the lion to the tribe of Judah. You are the risen Messiah. You are our risen Savior. You, Jesus, are the name above every other name, the name that at which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. One day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. But today, our knees have bowed and now our tongues will confess that you are Lord and we worship you. We worship you, Jesus. We honor you.
our hands, we're in the presence of God. We sing. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you tonight we thank you for your presence we thank you for proximity while we thank you for your word and we thank you that you're right here right now that you'll never leave us you'll never forsake us that was your promise jesus and we thank you for it in jesus name amen hey one more time can we give god praise hey um can you just join me, help me in thanking my friend, Pastor Elliot Bland, for that amazing work? Hey, just a moment ago, a few of you, you lifted your hand and, and, and you prayed a prayer and you began a relationship with Jesus. I just want to say it's the best decision you could ever make with your entire life. Bridge Youth, can we welcome people into God's family one more time? Here's the thing, we gotta be rooted in Christ, we gotta be rooted in his word, but we also gotta be rooted in community. This is your community now, this is the family of God, and we wanna start this journey with you with something that we call the next seven days. So it's seven videos that'll help you walk out the next week of your faith. You can get it in a really simple way, just go to our Instagram, at bridge, Y-T-H underscore, DM us the words next seven, and we will handle the rest. If you don't got Instagram, find myself, find Amber, find any one of our leaders, tell them I prayed the prayer, I want next seven days, we'll get you connected. Hey, um, a couple things before we go. This Sunday, somebody say, this Sunday, we got connect groups. It's the last Sunday to join us and enter to win those $100 gift cards to Amazon. Also, we've been hyping it, we've been saying it, but She Unites. She Unites is not this Saturday, but next Saturday. Ladies, you don't want to miss it. Guys, if you want to help serve, help me invest in the lives of our ladies, our sisters in Christ, come see me, go see Miss Alicia, and we will get you signed up. Am I forgetting anything else, Amber? Is that it? All right. My wife's beautiful. That's what I was forgetting. Amber's the absolute best in the whole wide world. Hey, have you enjoyed being in church tonight? Love you guys so much. We'll see you Sunday morning for Connect Groups.